This is the 4 Nail Written All Over It podcast. Our sixth episode is here. Good evening, good morning and good afternoon. Welcome back to the 4 Nail Written All Over It podcast. This is technically the first, op- 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 first podcast with a new head coach slash the third podcast without a manager. It's kind of a bit of one of those at the minute. Um, it's Thursday evening. It's almost 20 to 9. Happy Friday to you when you're watching this. I think, Ollie, that just proves listening. how long... Listening. They're listening, bud. I think it's this proves... proves how, sorry, I've come straight <laughs> off the old YouTubes. Um, I think that proves the fact that we're now the, the third episode without a manager technically or without a head coach technically. Does it just prove how long this process seems to have been taking? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, welcome everyone, firstly. Thank you for joining us today. Um it's a one. It's the first of, for me and Tom this podcast because it's the first one we're recording where we're not together mm. um, because of the announcement. Um, well, the the kind of announcement that's happened tonight, verbal agreement that's been uh, signed. Well, not signed, but agreed. Uh, <laughs> it's all very very vague, isn't it? As you can tell. Yeah, it's not very straightforward, is it? Old um, Jose Massino that we've now got as our head coach. Someone um, called him the special John earlier. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> so good. So but yeah, good. so it's uh, it, it has taken a while to get here. Um, yeah, there's been a few people speak to me about this uh, since the announcement. I've had a few messages from um, different people, from agents, from all sorts of places. Ooh. Get me. I'm 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 in there, mate. I'm in Check amongst you it. out. Um, lots of connections in lots of places, me. <laughs> but no, it seems that there's a um, there's a strange consensus going on at the moment. I think amongst the fans, um, they're not happy as a whole, if I'm honest. I think that's the kind of feeling I get. I don't know whether it's because obviously negative media travels a lot faster and not many people are going to be writing on, you know, on Instagram and Twitter and things like that to say, oh, love it. We've got a new head coach, you know, amazing news. Um, I think most people are along the lines of let's be negative about it, which is a shame. If are I'm they honest. underwhelmed? Yeah, I think so. I think that when you look at the pool of managers that were presented to us in the top sort of five or six, you know, there was never really a mention of this guy. Um, Until about that. lunchtime today, no one really knew that he was in any kind of contention whatsoever, as far as I'm aware, or people no, exactly. definitely hadn't reported about it. So No, exactly right. And everyone was expecting Liam Manning, like we were, or a um, you know, when, when we spoke initially, I know that Lee Bowyer was there, Chris Wilder. Um, there was a, you know, a number of, number of managers that have been in managerial roles before that were put forward for this role. Um, mm. And it's obviously a... It's a strange turn of events, is what I can say. But I'm, I'm looking at it from a hopeful, positive perspective. I am uh, trying to be as positive as possible about things, Same. and try and be in a place that you know we we cannot. You know, I don't want us to go into our first home game and batter this guy immediately and be negative about it and not give him an opportunity for success because I think that he deserves that. He deserves an opportunity for success. And if the Pompey fan base get behind the team and support us and, and push us forward and we put a good performance in, then it will highlight what decisions being made. Um, but if we go 1-0 down early doors and people start leaving and start booing, <laughs> then it could be a real mess, you know, and it, it yeah. could be short-lived as well, which I don't think any of us really want to see another manager come in and out. And I don't think any of us really want to see another 
uh, car crash at the end of the season and us coming 15th or, or below, you know, we, we want to see us push forwards and up the league now and, and have a bit of confidence and play well. And, you know, it, as much as whoever we got in charge, you know, it, it's difficult to make an immediate impact. Sometimes you get those couple of runs of games where you get lucky and you get a few wins under your belt early doors. But I think... Do you think that'll be the case? I know it's a really difficult question to answer, but do you, do you think you do you see a new manager bounce per se? Um, honestly, no. <laughs> That's my honest opinion. I think the group of players aren't playing for one another at the minute and it needs a bit of a restructure and I'm not sure that's going to happen overnight. I think there's more than one thing at play here uh, for that group of players. It's not as simple as um, a new manager comes in, a bit of new tactics and there we go, we win a game. Um, I think it's a lot more to do with our physicality around the pitch. It's to do with how hard we work off the ball. Um, there's, There's a number of things and how hard we work for each other as well. You know, mm. there's been evident in a lot of games re- recently where we get the ball at the back, we pass it around the back three or four, whoever's there, and it seems to never really get into a position to go forward. And if we do get a gap in the middle, we're closed down immediately and no one's working off the ball to create space for each other or to even work for one another to get into space to receive a ball in a good position. We just seem to be almost trapped uh, across the back four. So I think that as much as I would like to say there might be a new manager bounce and I'd love to see a new manager bounce, I personally think there's a lot more that needs doing. And this is why my worries highlighted with the decision that's been made to bring in someone that no one really knows, because there's already that air of negativity about it. And if there is that air of negativity about it and we don't see a sudden change in the way we're playing or a sudden win, then it could very quickly turn into a, a very hostile, horrible environment to be in Fratton Park. Do you think fans' expectations were set way too high with the word that Chris Wilder could potentially be the next candidate? And do you think not stamping him out might have been a bit of a mistake in hindsight from the board or from whoever powers that be that are in charge of making these negotiations happen? Because actually that would have really put put the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of actually, yeah, this we're not going for this guy, so lower your expectations and ease the pain. And maybe that would have, you know, this... You know, we 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 humanise the impact of Danny and Nicky Cowley sacking. So I think we must humanise the incoming manager's point of view. Where you know this guy's deleted his Twitter account today. He's privatised his Instagram account. I can imagine he's been getting a a whole hurl of either positive or negative feedback from the news that he's been linked with a job. I suppose it was maybe only a matter of time when he first started t- talking to Pompey to go. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm imagine I'm, it's part and parcel of football, isn't it? But you know, you imagine he's going to get certain things sent to him or certain things not sent to him in a positive or a negative way. Um, I, I wanted to to ask you. We you mentioned and, and you, you didn't applaud the club for it, but you said that that the club were rightly tight lipped last week, and and there were various reasons for that. Are you concerned at the amount of time it's taken? To, for the club to act, Danny and Nicky were sacked on the second of January. We're now the nineteenth, and we still don't have a confirmed successor. I mean, I think that the time taken shows that it wasn't a decision made with a forward plan, which is quite a nice thing in regards to Danny and Nicky because it wasn't like a we're going to get rid of these guys at this point and we're going to bring a new manager in. So it shows the decision they had to make with them wasn't an easy decision, and they kind of just had to make that choice when they made it. Um, it's a shame, and there was nothing so... underhand about it as well. So no yeah, behind it... anyone's backs, etc. Yeah, no, exactly right. So it was a, tif- I think it was a difficult decision for all to come to that conclusion. And it's a shame, you know, it's a shame for Danny and Nicky because you know some managers get given a bit of extra time and get to build a squad around them. And you know, I do feel on reflection that 
you know, when they came into the club, we were massively overspending on the Kenny jacket. You know, we had Marquis on a, an awful lot of money a week, as was reported. We had to get rid of him in the summer. Uh, we lost a lot of money that year as a club. So I think that the first season they had, they probably didn't have a massive budget to play with. And it very much was a makeshift team, which got us to 10th. I think it's, a, you know, it shows how how well they managed the team at that time to get a group of players together to fight for one another and put together the, the wins that we did as, as runs. Because we had a really good run of wins in there, in amongst them at the start of the season and in the middle middle section of the season as well. It's a shame we weren't able to make those playoffs in the end. Um, and then again this year, you know, again it's been a lot of low knees. There hasn't been a lot of, you know, we've had a couple of good signings, but it hasn't been phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so again, you know, I feel a bit sorry for them from one perspective because I feel like they've been dealt a difficult hand with managing our club this year. Um, and as soon as that fan base turned negative, and I don't think that's necessarily their fault. I think if they walked into the club, we'd just been promoted. They're in Kenny Jackett's shoes, you know, where he we'd been in the league for two seasons and we weren't quite performing as we wanted. They would have had a bit more time, mm. but it's just a matter of the way that the fan base turned. Now, we, I mean, we've gone over that to we're blue in the face, really, haven't we? So there's enough really said there. But sure. the, the fact that it's taken this long to appoint someone, I think also shows the amount of, probably the amount of people they've had to talk about it. Um, interviews and, like and second about, interviews and processes, yeah, etc. Exactly. And And I think with a decision that they've made, they can't have taken that lightly. I don't, that's not a, a one interview wonder where you come off amazing and you get the job straight away and you get offered it there and then. You know, this guy to give this guy that opportunity at that point in a in a season, you know, where we're fifteenth, we've been playing bad, we've been going backwards, to give someone who's relatively, you know, un you know, hasn't hasn't really got any experience in you know, he's got a lot of experience in football, a lot of experience in leadership, which I think we're missing. You know, he's a he's a captain for the club uh, the clubs he's paid for for the last six, seven years. So he obviously shows a lot of good leadership skills there. But obviously, he's, he, we don't know what he's going to be like as a manager or as a head coach, whatever the position he's given is, and how he's going to impact on the players to make those changes when we need to, to, to make the right decision for our club. So it's it would have been a decision that's taken quite, you know, a, a great gratitude, really, and uh, taken some real time over making that choice. Um, and I'm hopeful that because of the length of time that's gone on, they've really vetted him and they're, you know, super, everyone's super confident and super happy uh, with, with him and what he can offer us and what he can offer the club. And hopefully that, you know, the experience from recently playing at this level and, you know, being managed under, you know, a good manager at Oxford as well, that he can come out and actually make a change and make a difference for us. I just really hope that we give him a, the time as a club to to make that chance and to make that opportunity for him and he can prove us all wrong that, you know, that all of us are being negative about it and, and showcase that he's actually a very good manager and, and, and well worth appointing for that position. There's been a lot said this this well today and, and this evening about how actually he does very much fit the bill of the kind of person that they've been trying to attract to the job. Someone who's willing to work under director of football, you know, some fresh energy and, and actually the, maybe a... a Maybe not credit because I think that might upset a few people, but maybe some sort of nod must be given to the fact that actually they've gone. And I would assume this has been part of the conversation with Cullen and Richard Hughes and, and with the board of directors is, look, we tried experience and someone who'd been around the block with Kenny Jacket. That didn't work and that failed miserably. 
we then tried an up and coming manager with some EFL experience and, and a, a chap that had been in the championship not too long ago. And, and this this kind of set in principles and ideas along the lines of Danny and Nikki Cowley and what they were trying to achieve. And that didn't work either. So they've obviously thought, right, we need to completely change tact here. Let's go something that is, you know, let's, let's make no bones about it. It's very left field. It, it's a massive punt and a big old risk. And that's part of the conversation that we've been having this evening about it. But at the same time, you know, sort of prior success is, is sorry, experience is not a prerequisite of success, is it? That's the, right. the kind of that's the bottom line of it. So that's that's something that I think needs to be factored in. Um, uh, and you have to remember as well that there's been a lot of managers. You, you, I mean, I think we're if you look at it realistically, I think we were kidding ourselves with the opportunity of Chris Wilder. Sure. You know, yeah. he's been in the premiership as a manager. Um there's a lot of premiership jobs that might be coming up in the near future as well. And I think someone of his pedigree might get an opportunity there. And realistically, is he going to drop to a side that is in bad form in League One, that has been stuck there for seven years, that is struggling to get out of that position and is currently got a very negative like uh, fan base at, at, at their home matches? You know, would, would you really want to walk into that position if you had an opportunity to manage, you know, maybe West Ham? Or, or someone else who might, you know, might be free for a job at some point in the near future. So I, I can fully understand why we weren't going to get him. Um, many would say, Ollie, that he that he's the only kind of candidate that would sort the mess out, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. From our perspective, he would have been a great appointment. Mm. Um, but, you know, let's not write this guy off is what my kind of message is, I guess, is let's give this guy, uh, um, old Jose, the best opportunity um to be our special one <laughs> special start. john special john um and hopefully you know we can see a real change in the players a real change in the mentality a real change in the attitude and you know if, if we come out on that pitch and we start fighting for the ball under him then i'll be happy you know i, I think that'll be a, a good change in the right direction um and yeah that let's let's give the club a little bit of credit and let's hope that this decision is the right one for us because so far we kind of all feel that the last 7 years have been a bit of a waste of time um and i think that it's about time we we started doing something a bit different and hopefully this is the right different for us just finally on on the manager before we move on to to some other topics and we look ahead to exeter and how that may or may not have changed given the news that we've had tonight um a lot of a lot of what the discussion was based around of the stuff that we've been recording this evening and the live show and, and conversations that I undoubtedly you and, and other people that had so far today is that is this a step back from what we had with Danny and Nikki? And is actually the sacking of that pair meant that we then have gone backwards in terms of our, our ambition and perhaps there's a little bit of a lapse and and does it scream this is the cheap, we're scraping the barrel, no one else wants to take the job kind of appointment. What what would you say to that? I would say that I wouldn't say this is the cheap option. Personally, I don't think that. I think it'll the be on is... compensation to get away from Oxford United. We should bear in mind he is currently a player and he's the head of the PFA, so he he we will need to pe spend some money. We're yeah. led to believe we already have done in order to buy him out of his contract. So that's something yeah. to bear in mind. Yeah, exactly right. So I think that 
I don't think it's the cheap option. I don't think we've definitely. I don't think we've gone down this route to go. Oh, let, let's find someone who's got less, a lot less experience than anyone else. who's not going to demand so much money that we can afford. You know, there obviously is an element of if you can afford a manager or not, and that might be a reason why some of the bigger names like Chris Wilder were put out of the running from the club's perspective because he would have wanted too much money and we can't afford it. Mm. Um, the Eisners are business people at the end of the day, and they're going to make a decision based around a business principle. But then also you must remember that that business principle isn't necessarily uh, the cheapest option. You know, they, they've got to speculate to accumulate to an extent. Um, they've got to, you know, for them, if this club gets relegated into League Two because they've appointed the wrong person, then that's going to cost them a lot of money in terms of the value of the, the club itself. Any chance so, of that happening? No, I don't think so. I don't think we're that bad. I think that we're bad in, in the way we've been performing of late. I think that between now and the end of the season, we'll put together enough points to at least, you know, minimum we were expecting is to stay up, for God's sake. Um, I think that the maximum we could expect is to sneak a playoff place. But I, I don't see anything outside of those two realms, really. I see us sitting somewhere between where we are now and that sort of seventh place in the league. So let's let's just hope that we can actually you know turn this on its head you know when we talk about the new manager bounce and that opportunity obviously there will be an element of the players wanting to play for this new manager um because they they want to get in the team so do you think they respect him enough he's only recently been playing games for oxford united he most of the boys that are at the football club at the moment played against him last season at fratton park he was there he started as their center half is he going to command enough respect with this group I think if he's the person that the club's chosen to appoint, then he should be able to do that because well, he it shouldn't. So yeah, he, exactly. So he 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 should be able to command that respect himself. I think the fact he's been a captain of a team for the last six, seven seasons as well, kind of shows his ability of leadership. And I don't think that goes away overnight. Regardless, obviously, it's going to be difficult to know whether he'll make an immediate impact. Um, because it, it's such a quick turnaround from today to Saturday, you know, and realistically, he's not actually in that dressing room at this minute. He's not going to be in there tomorrow morning, most likely either. So the first chance he's probably going to get to speak and see to the players at best will be tomorrow afternoon, if not Saturday morning, if he's even got everything signed and I's dotted and T's crossed by that point. So it'll be interesting to see that the impacts of what happens at the Oxford game, uh, obviously it all kind Next of balances game. on what happens in terms of how much time he will have with those players prior to that point. But hopefully, even with that, they can it can instill a little bit of, look, he's here watching. You know, we need to go put a performance out. You boys need to be fighting for your places in this game and in, and in this team. And, and therefore, you need to go out there and real bat- like put a real battle on a real showcase for the fans and for him to to get to make your case about why you should be in this team. Um, that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Uh, that's the best case scenario. Uh, the worst case scenario is we lose 2-0 and everyone goes mental and hates the club and we all go negative, go home and no one wants to go to the next game, which is the, the worst case scenario, isn't it? But let's, let's try all of us to give this guy an opportunity for success because that's the least he deserves. And if all that we're going to do by going against him is create an environment that no one's going to be successful in, like the club, the fans, everyone's going to lose out in that, in that eventuality. So we need to, we need to give this guy a chance and, and put a bit of faith in the, the people making the decision that they've made the right one. Cause obviously they're the only ones that know that the candidates are in play. They're the only ones who know who put together the best case themselves. And they're the only ones who've made that decision. So we, we shouldn't really be trying to second guess that we should give them the benefit of the doubt on that. 
Absolutely. Just finally, finally, is he the right man for the job? Is it the right appointment for you? I've got no idea. I would love to give you an answer, but honestly, I've got no idea. I've got no, we don't, none of us do. None of us have a clue, you know, realistically. There's going to be a lot of people that are saying, no, this is the wrong thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, but realistically, we don't you know what he's currently have an opinion on that, can you? Really, is what I no. was getting at. Is you can't say yes or no to that question, which is kind of why I asked it to you because I thought, mm, this, like, with with no evidence, and, and you actually haven't even got any previous managerial evidence either because he's never been a manager before. So, no, exactly, you, we've all we've all got nothing. We're all speculating. We're all throwing darts into the air and seeing where they land. You know, no, no one really knows what the situation is. So, I think. You know, the, the least he deserves is an opportunity and we should give that to him. And who knows? You know, there's been a lot of players that have transformed into managers that have done really well. You know, you saw what Gerard managed to do at Rangers. Obviously, he did a great job there and then obviously didn't do quite so well at Aston Villa, but that was in his second stint. Um, you saw what Frank Lampard did at Chelsea that first season when he was there, turning them around and getting them all playing for him. So who's to say that he won't come in and create that sort of atmosphere in the, at this level to, to, you know, experience at this level, experience playing recently as well and be able to get the boys turned around and playing because, you know, as a captain, he'd have got his whole team playing around him. So there's no different mm -hmm. really from him stood on the sideline and getting us playing around him. So hopefully he's the right man for the job. And I've got my fingers crossed for him because I'd really like to see a young manager succeed and to prove us wrong, really. Uh, prove a lot of the fans wrong and to be like you know what he was the right choice and he brought a new fresh eyes to it and 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 produced something quite special for us so let's see what happens really let's move on uh, Exeter is the the next game up on Pompey's list and they are a team that if we we didn't play too long ago it was only boxing day it was the last time we played them so it's you know, it's been less than a month since our last game against Exeter City um since then they've they've kept a, a clean record in terms of losses they've they've been unbeaten in in the league since that day and um, the only loss that they've I do apologize about that the only um the only loss they um <laughs> sorry Andrew Cullen messaging you in it no, it's not. Oh, confirmed. Yep. <laughs> End of transmission. No, it's nothing like that. Um, no, it, I, I did actually get a, a message from a, a chap that I won't say on the podcast, but he, he's pretty dead certain that, that it's happening. So there we go. Um, but yeah, back back to what I was saying about Exeter. It's, it's actually been quite a while since they lost a league game. So between Friday the 2nd of December when they played Morecambe, um, and then up to today's date, they've only actually lost once in the league for that whole time. And that was uh, away to, to Bolton Wanderers, which we went one better and lost 3-0. They lost 2-0 there um, on the weekend before Christmas. So they had a barnstormer um, on the, the 29th of December against Bristol Rose. They came out 4-3 winners away from home in that local game. Um, they beat Oxford on New Year's Day as well. Um, and they've also had a, a bit, pretty boring one-all draw, to be honest, uh, speaking to an Exeter fan who's a friend of mine um, last weekend uh, against Forest Green, which is another local one and, and perhaps one that they want to take more points from. Um, how do you assess this one then, Ollie? I suppose there's a little bit of a mentality shift. All the players will be well aware of the prospect of having um, a new chap who's in coming into the group, whether he's in charge by by Saturday or not, or whether he's sat next to Mr Cullen in the stands. How do you see this? And and, and will perhaps the build-up be slightly different and the mood around Fratton Park be slightly different given the um, the the kind of the the what's the what's the word I'm looking for? The change in circumstance, the winds have changed, perhaps. Does that have an influence on the way you view the upcoming game at Fratton? I think um, Exeter have always been a bit of a bogey team of ours, haven't they? 
weirdly, they're quite similar to Oxford. You know, Oxford seem to always be a bogey team of ours too. We seem to always manage to lose 2-1 to them or draw one all or have a, a poor result. Um, At which fans... point does every team become a bogey team? Uh, we well, rubbish, this season, every team is a bogey team, unfortunately. <laughs> That's the problem, yeah. Um, but in previous previous experience of playing Exeter, I've been to a few extra away games and home games. And, uh, you know, from my experience, we don't often win a lot of them. So I think I think it's going to be a difficult game um, for us anyway. <laughs> We're in the ascendancy. All those old Kenny Jacket terms. Um, yeah, grew up on that if you didn't mention it yourself. <laughs> Slide that one into the podcast. <laughs> But I, I think it's going to be a difficult game. Yeah, I, I, there's no hiding from that. It's going to be difficult for everyone. It's going to be difficult for the fans. There's going to be a lot of uh, anxiety going into this fixture of, of what the result's going to be like. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of anxiety from the players as well for how they're going to perform. Um, and I think everyone's going to be on tenterhooks. The thing that's quite sad about this is I don't think there's going to be many fans going into that stadium going, oh, yeah, great. You know, great announcement this week. Really excited. Really, you know, given that whole, oh, it was the right choice to get rid of Danny and Nicky. And I, I very much fear that there'll be chance about Danny and Nicky at that game if it doesn't go the way that the it it could do for us. You know, and I think we we really need this win. Like I, I think as a club, as a fan base, as confidence for for the incoming Jose. You know, we we all need. We all need that big win. And it's as simple as that. We we need to beat this team on Saturday. We it's not a matter of if and can we. We need to. Um Do you if think we we're don't going to? I'm gonna say it's four nil Pompey. <laughs> <laughs> no, if oh. I'm honest, I think it's gonna be a battle. I think it's gonna be a real battle out there. And I reckon we're gonna turn them over three one. If That's my a, prediction. If there was a team that you'd pinpoint in the last three months that I'd say we played our best football against, take Spurs out of the equation, I'd probably go Exeter City. And Ipswich is a, a kind of a, a bit of an honourable mention for that because I thought we did really well against them that day, the 2-2. Um, and it's still bugs me in the back of my mind thinking if we'd held on to that game if Josh Griffiths hadn't spilled that would Danny still be here that that's kind of my question and and this whole I'm going to call it a a, um, a facade of the last 17 days wouldn't have even been in the question but there we go life goes on such is the modern world um and that's not me saying I think we should have stuck with them by the way that's just me kind of I feel feel like and we haven't really talked about this but i feel like with the transfer window the way it is and we're now what the 19th of january there's only really 10 to 11 days left where you can actually make transfers and if we're talking about saturday slash monday as an appointment then it's only really one full working week of really rushing around to get people in the building we know the transfer window is rushy at the best of times so anyway who knows um, we might get a couple of oxford players <laughs> well this this is it i know there, there was a tweet from a guy who i think he, he quite fancies a, a center back in the league of ireland that he wants to bring across i saw that that was a a story um we should talk about quite a lot of things that are happening um, against Exeter on Saturday. Uh, yeah, so we, we should talk about actually there's there's two really important things or well, three uh, points of it, four points of interest actually from Saturday's games. There's going to be an awful lot going on. These are the two most important ones. Um, there's a young lad called Ace who really sadly lost his battle to leukemia in the last week or so. A big Pompey fan. He's only eight years old. It's going to be a, a round of applause, a minute's applause. 
which I'm sure will be fantastically observed as it always is at Fratton Park for one of our own on the eighth minute and also for Steve Mack, who was really involved in the uh, the salvaging of this great football club in the days where where we needed the fans the most. And he's died this week at, or the last couple of weeks at the, the tender age of 52 as well. So that's that's really sad news. And, and they're two Pompey fans that will be um, honoured and their lives celebrated in, in the very best way possible with recognition at Fratton Park. Also some really sad news today, actually, that was announced that Anton Walk sadly and tragically passed away um, earlier on this morning on, on the day of recording. He was involved in a, a boat accident in, in South Florida where he, he's playing, he has been playing his football at Charlotte FC this season. Um, and yeah, t- 25, Ollie is, you know, he's younger than you, which is you know, scary to think. And Sam came onto the podcast and said that it was, it was his age. And Alex Hay was a mate of mine who he was 24. So you're kind of, you sat there and you're like, wow, this, this is, really a, a horrible moment and he's a, he was a really on his day he was excellent and he's he's been on the channel before and, and we got a little fauna written all over it out of him back when he was playing for us he's part of that team in the 18-19 season that won the EFL trophy let's not forget so lot, lots going on at Fratton on on Saturday. I think it just goes to show to be honest that you know that there's some real issues out there in the world and you know our biggest concern at the minute is whether our manager, manager yeah yeah if he's the right pick for us to take us forward and to win a few games um which you know in relative terms is nothing to really worry about compared to what these guys have gone through uh it's obviously horrible to hear about Anton Walks it's a real shame uh, to lose that kind of a talent as well in football um so yeah it, and especially at such a young age you know with a promising career could have done some good things so it's a it's a shame to lose someone like that and he was a good bloke a good advocate of the channel as well so yeah um that is that is a real shame and obviously you know things like leukemia you know is is a horrible thing for someone to have to go through so uh it's it's going to be nice for the club to commemorate those um those people on on the weekend and to to give them a, a Fratton Park send off with a, with a round of applause i think it's very much deserved uh, as a bare minimum is what we can offer them and then hopefully you know the players can kind of take that you know, in, enthusiasm and, and, you know, use that as a motivational tool to, to push them through that game and, and to put on a performance worthy of, you know, of what we all want to see, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there is also, I said, four things that, that were going on this weekend at, at Fratton. Uh, there is also a planned protest by a, a certain group of of Pompey players. Uh, sorry, not of Pompey players, of Pompey supporters. <laughs> um, it's got absolutely nothing to do with the players whatsoever. <laughs> I'd be surprised if it was the players. I heard um, Kenny Jacket organised it. Yeah, Kenny. Kenny's all behind it. I should just <laughs> say um, Tottenham were 2-0 up at halftime against Man City and the score is now 2-2 with 50 minutes, per, 53 minutes on the clock and would you believe it the equaliser has been scored by a certain Mr Erling Haaland which you know was never going to be in any doubt was it normally myself and Ollie are sharing the screen watching this but I'm being naughty and greedy and just keeping it in my room rather than his room for tonight I I did actually I was actually tempted to put it on the TV but I thought it'd be a really good game of football and I didn't want to get distracted from the podcast so I've I've purposely left it off so I'm not just going oh what's that going on well (laughs) to be fair I've had it on since the start and you haven't noticed yet so so that's good news. Um, yeah, I, well, I, I say I've got it on. I've got, I've actually got Ollie in this year, and the game's actually in this year. I've got it on very <laughs> quietly um, because these are two separate sets of headphones. Anyway, I digress. Uh, the the important matters of the day are that there is this um, this protest, and it is. I should be very clear about what the protest is about. It is the the lack of ambition from the owners for the the football on the pitch is what 
um, they are protesting. And I mean, no way we'll get your view in a minute, but I'm no way going to condone form protests. I personally don't think that it is going to achieve anything. I don't really think in many ways in, and in many circumstances that um, forms of protest generally achieve very much. Um, my thing would be with it is the start of this season, this group of players looked like a top four side. And that was all through the actual ambitions and the way in which the club had conducted their business this over this summer with this group of players that they brought in. And I, I actually, you know, we're all pretty content with it 10, 15 games into the season. So for there to be this complete overhaul and change of changing of the guard, basically, to have led to a process, a protest, sorry, in such a quick circumstance is, I think, is, is pretty unheard of. I'm not a big advocate of protests at the best of times, to be honest. Uh, I can understand why the fans feel like they need to do it. Um, but I, I don't know if it's really going to change anything, if I'm honest. I think that a lot of protests in a lot of cases um, can be viewed very negatively uh, by the media and uh, people looking from the outside looking in. It almost seems a bit petulant. I'm not saying this is petulant. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that any of the people doing it are petulant in any way, shape or form. Let's just get that clear. Um, but I think that's the way sometimes it can be viewed from the outside looking in. So I'm not being a massive advocate of protests, but I completely understand and sympathise with, with the people that are doing it and the reasons behind it. So, and if they feel that strongly about it, then they should have their, you know, there's a right to protest. They're, they're well within their right to do it. So yeah, all, all the power to them. And, you know, I hope that the protest yields the response that they, they want, really. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to the uh, the third and final part of our podcast, which is always related to football this week. Um, I haven't told Ollie the two items that I want to discuss in, in this particular segment. It's going to be news to him as much as it is news to you listening with whatever um, task you're undertaking at the moment. By the way, before we get on to this, I want to say a massive thank you to all the support that we've had over the last week. I feel like the podcast has really grown between um, the last two episodes and, and this one that we're now recording. Um, it's great to see. We've had questions on Spotify. I don't know. It didn't even know that that was a thing that you could do a question <laughs> on Spotify. So we've had one of those, which is great to see. Um, had a comment during one of the live streams that we were doing earlier on this week about how much they've enjoyed it. Um, I yeah, I know plenty of people have, have used it as the soundtrack to their Friday morning slash Friday daytime activity. Um, and it's quite a good thing to listen to on the way to the football, especially that little bit that we were chatting about for Exeter and the current managerial situation, which I hope won't be updated by the time outdated, sorry, by the time you listen to this. I will be uploading this podcast as, as soon as we finish recording it. So I'll quickly trim it down and trim the little mishaps that we've had, which we, you won't have heard, but we've definitely experienced in the last <laughs> sort of 35, 40 minutes or so. Um Right then, football this week uh, is, um, oh my word, Spurs just hit the crossbar. Jesus Christ, this is a, a game and a half, only an hour in. I want Ollie to be able to go and watch the last little bit of this as well, so I'll keep <laughs> it nice and brief. It may be almost a week since this happened by the time you're listening to it, but I thought it'd be a good and important discussion point. After the full-time whistle at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Aaron Ramsdale, who's well known for his interaction with fans on Sunday, um, um particularly during the North London derby. This I'm undoubtedly going to be heightened. But after the full-time whistle on Sunday, um, as I'm sure you've seen, there was a bit of an altercation as Richarlison notices Ramsdale's giving it large to the Tottenham fans after a big Arsenal win, uh, which he's, he's well within his rights to do so. He, he sort of um, 
Richarlison goes over to him and, and goes, you know, what are you doing? Gets in his face a little bit, which is never going to help the situation. Um, Ramsdale then goes and collects his towel and water, etc., from behind the goal. And, and a fan, which I've just made the gesture to Ollie because we're on a video call in, in quotation marks, a fan stands up on the advertising boards and kicks out at full strength and catches Ramsdale on the back. And he then scuttles off into the stand and tries to blend in with as many of his fellow Tottenham fans, fans that he can. Um, I'm not saying they're not fans. I'm just trying to make the point that he's very much not a fan. Um, he has since been charged by the Metropolitan Police and received a lengthy, I think it's a lifetime ban from Spurs themselves too. How do you reflect on the incident, Ollie? Because it's it's kind of everything that's wrong with football and, and tit for tat things are, are not helpful when they're displayed on the pitch. And I suppose it maybe gives the fans that maybe the 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 ungiven right to to maybe get involved themselves in a, a bit of the the what's the the, it, the altercations perhaps it it's a real shame you know there's no place for hooliganism in football really you know there's no there's no need for it there's no requirement for it I, I've said to you before um I'm not sure if we mentioned it on the podcast before but one of my I think we did actually in one of the early episodes about England winning the World Cup one of the things God, I love about how long ago does that feel? Oh <laughs> God, yeah, we didn't win the World Cup. For those of you who haven't realised it, um, but we we were saying that I was saying that personally, one of the things I really like about the World Cup is that you end up with Chelsea fans, Tottenham fans, Arsenal fans in the same pub with an England shirt on, watching the same game and being happy with one another about uh, England winning or being sad with one another about England losing, um, and yet. Those same people, if you put them in a pub with a Chelsea-Arsenal game on and there's a Chelsea and Arsenal fan in there, they'd be having a scrap. Mm. Um, it, it's a bit crazy, really, in the way that the mindset in football changes you so quickly. Um, but And also, you know, fans, let's face it, we've we've done it before. I've been to games where I've almost been, like, cringing, you know, at Plymouth away when how much we used to give their keeper, you know, during an away game when it, he was at our end, we used to absolutely hammer him. And it was it was horrible almost because, you know, it was, it was hammering him about something that's really dark as well. Mm. You know, uh, and fans feel that they've You're got... You're talking a, about Luke McCormick, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. And, and fans feel that they've got this right to do it and not get anything back in a way because you know, they can give it out and give it out. But because there's a group of them, they're never going to get anything back. And Ramsdale, to be fair, was you know, being a bit of a shit ass, if I'm allowed to say that, probably mm -hmm. not bleep that a bit, but that's kind of what he was that's doing. That's a turn, well, isn't it, for it? Yeah, he, so he was, he was you know, he grabbed hold of his badge, turned around, was like pushing it, kissing it, po pointing to it and like celebrating in front of the, the, the Tottenham fans, which isn't, you know, he's given him a bit of a bit back and I'm sure they've given him loads throughout that game as well. The same know? Pompey scum though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it would. It, it, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? That he's really sort of, you know, he's if a if Southampton keeper did that to us, we go nuts as well. Oh, three-two City. Sorry. Of course, of <laughs> course it is. Of course it is. Who wow. scored? Riyad Mahrez. Mahrez is class. Wow, Unbelievable sorry. player. Sorry, Unbelievable. Not anyway, for the podcast, I do apologise. No. Anyway, yeah. What we're saying is basically that. You know that that fan deserves a lifetime ban for what he's done completely. You you shouldn't ever feel the need to get towards a pitch and kick a player like the player hasn't. He hasn't gone up to that fan individually, pointed him out, physically abused him in any way, shape, or form, or even like really said anything. He hasn't really said a word to him. He hasn't sworn at him. He hasn't given him any real right to do what he's done. Not that there ever is a right to go kick someone. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's the right thing um, to give him a lifetime ban, and it's a real shame that. You know, such an entertaining game of football and such a brilliant game of football, which that was, 
came to that at the end, which was sort of shrouded by this whole what happened at the end of the game? Why was this altercation? It stopped, you know, Arsenal going and celebrating in front of their own fans. You know, in hindsight, Ramsdale probably should have just gone off and celebrated in front of his own fans and ignored all the Tottenham fans and, and that would never have happened. Um, but it, it's you know he was just ecstatic about that that win, and I think he had a, an excellent game Ramsdale as well. I think he made some great saves, so I think he's well within his right to celebrate. He he could have probably been a bit more tasteful with it, but then equally it doesn't you know it it doesn't add up to kicking someone in the back what he did. So it, it it's the right thing by the club to do for sure, um, and hopefully it, it can highlight the more times these things are televised and shown, and the more. Strict, like the more strict the rule, the result and the punishment is from it, it can highlight to others that actually it's not the right way to behave, and and hopefully bring a bit more back to the the gentleman's game of football that it used to be. You know, and we all used to go watch it. Yeah, you know, why can't we be a bit more like rugby where we can sit and have a beer in the stadium and and all enjoy it together? It's a, it's a shame that it we can't be like that. Equally, it brings a bit of attraction to it as well. You know, it's quite nice to have those rivalries and that excitement and like that big derby game. There's nothing quite like it, is there? So yeah. swings and roundabouts for both sides. But yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunately it's part of football and hopefully it will become less and less of it as time progresses. I think the the other thing I'd add to what you're saying there and you, you almost pretty much said it, but with the whole as a to act as a deterrent, you're you're kind of sat there thinking and this this clip that emerged on Twitter or wherever it emerged was actually held back as part of evidence to the Metropolitan Police beforehand, before it was released um, by, I think it would have been a Sky camera or Premier League transmission camera, Premier League productions, whoever it was, IMG, that would have filmed it. But actually, because there's about 26 cameras dotted around a football stadium now, and it was a post-match after the game, and there was, a, there was kind of cameras trailed left, right and centre, actually one of the camera operators followed the chap from his position of kicking Ramsdale right up 10, 15 rows back. It was literally, it's like watching police interceptions, you know, when they're on the helicopter and they're following the car along the road. Wars. Exactly. It was like watching that. And and you kind of, you see this guy try and hide behind a mate of his or go back to his seat where he was sat. And they just train it on him the whole time. And, and he, you know, there's, there's no hiding place from it anymore. And it's well, like there's, it's it, even you know you're not that's that's just a TV camera. You're not factoring in the amount of CCTV, the security that these places and at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well, which me and you were both at a couple of weeks ago, is the most state of the art place you could wish. And if you're going to commit something like that, don't do, do it at Fleetwood away. Don't yeah. do it at the Tottenham. <laughs> do it at Port Vale where there's one do camera it. on top of a gantry that can't that's see. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And no. I want to I want to move on to to uh, to the final bit of the podcast, and then I, I want to get shooting off because I really want you to see the rest of this game. In other light news, there was a round of FA Cup games this week, replays. And on Tuesday night, Gary Lineker, Paul Ince and Danny Murphy were interrupted mid-pre-match chat with what turned out to be a phone ringtone strapped to the set, which was planted there before they went live. And that phone ringtone comprised of the sound you might hear or have heard on a WhatsApp video of a mate trying to prank you. And it's uh, of a, a sound of a lady. She's um, she's more than enjoying herself. It's, it's instantly recognisable. Um, people play it on Bluetooth speakers to embarrass friends, etc. And uh, I know you, everyone listening to this will know what I'm talking about. So funny for it to happen on the BBC. I remember ringing you straight after it had happened and going, have you heard this? Or I sent you the clip that it went mental all over Twitter. And, and Gary Lineker posted a picture of the phone that had been used to, to commit this 
heinous prank on on the BBC, and I'm assuming it's going to come out as some YouTube prank that someone's. A mate of mine actually works at the BBC, and he said that it was um it was actually someone who had been hired to come and work on the set, um and and put the set together had actually like obviously not been vetted properly or whatever, or just done it to help a mate out and left it there as as part of the um as part of the setup that they had there and the set that they were putting together. My worry is he could have left anything under that desk or in that set. So it could have been a bomb, for example. You don't know. Um, but the fact that I think it, it would have been phone... a bit harder to get a bomb into the studio, in honesty, but yeah. Well, he managed to get a phone in. So if he well, got that in, then how's he? Yeah, I think most people saying. have phones. Yes, but no, it was like a... Anyway, it could have been an improvised explosive. You know, Maybe a bomb's a bit of a straight. It could have been anything. Could it have been a flare? Could have been anything. Yeah. What did you make of it all? Because it's quite funny, but it's... <laughs> It's, it's one of those things where it's just, you've just got to take it as it is and have a bit of a laugh about it. They were really very is. professional, I have to say. Gary Lineker showed what a seasoned pro he was to deal with it. It was yeah, amazing. Because that must have been, you know, that's something you've never dealt with before in your life in that situation. So for him to have to, to suddenly deal with that on live TV and, you know, you could see Shearer sort of cracking up a little bit in the background when he realised what was going on as well as he was trying to be passed over to him. It, it's, it's one of those things they dealt with it extremely professionally in that case. Um, but you've just got to go, you know what, it, it's inevitable that these things are going to happen at some point. Someone's going to pull a prank like that. And, you know, part of me quite hopes it's something to do with like Anton Deck in the future. And we see it on Saturday night takeaway mm. and they've been pranked the whole game because didn't the lights go out in another in that game or in another game? Yeah, at some point yeah. As well? It, yeah, it, it was one of those funny nights. So hopefully we'll see something quite entertaining come from that um, in in the future. But it's a bit of, it's a bit light relief, really, isn't it? So yeah, it, it, one of those things. Right. Anything else to add? No, I think that's it from us, Tom. Isn't it? I think that we've had a we've had a very comprehensive chat there, and it's been an interesting week. And hopefully, uh, in the coming week, we'll get some more good news, and we'll come to you next week after beating Exeter and be really happy and positive about it all and there'll be a real difference around Fratton Park so let's hope for that shall we let's do it with uh, special John at the helm we shall see what what happens anything could happen and thanks for listening everybody we appreciate you listening all the way to the end and as we say maybe next week a week is a long time in football we'll see what happens keep the faith thanks for listening we'll see you next week next Friday morning play up Pompey play up Pompey